Hello, everyone, and welcome into another edition of Coach Time here on the Believe Network. I'm your host, John Lyons, solo project for me today. Big thank you to Asante Samuel for joining me on my last episode. And I want to jump right into, in my opinion, the biggest story in sports over the past week, and that has been the massive conference realignment in college athletics with the Big Ten adding Oregon and Washington for the start of the 2024 academic year. So it's about a year away. This will be the last year of the Pac-12. And as of now, in 2024, the Pac-12, you really can't even call it the Pac-12. It's only slated to have four teams, and it appears that Cal and Stanford are trying to go to the ACC and there's some uncertainty with Washington State as well. So we're seeing a lot of teams in the process of jumping ship from the Pac-12 to the point where this time next year, right now we're in August of 2023, this time next year, it is not going to be a league most likely or to be a very different version of itself. And here's the thing. College athletics is not really about athletics anymore at the major Division One level. It's about money, because if it was about athletics, we wouldn't see this massive realignment going on. And I know for football, if Oregon goes to Michigan to play a game or Washington goes to Illinois to play a game, that's a big travel in itself, but it's only once a week. But what about the field hockey players and the softball players and the baseball players and the basketball teams that are traveling multiple times a week, potentially either across country multiple times a week or having long road trips on the other side of the country. I mentioned Cal and Stanford. They're joining the ACC. That's Atlantic Coast Conference, and they're on the Pacific Coast. So I think this is a bad thing for college athletes. And as someone who spent seven years as a college football coach, I can tell you that this conference realignment absolutely sucks for the college athletes themselves, because now they're going to have even less time to focus on class, less time to be on campus. They're going to be traveling all over the country. And college athletics is showing now, not just with NIL money, but with the advent of these conference realignments, that it's really not that much about athletics anymore. It's more just about money. And I think that's a sad thing for college athletics. And don't get me wrong either. I think that NIL money is a great thing. I think these players deserve to get paid for their name, image, and likeness. But the conference realignment on top of it, I think, just shows us that college athletics, it's not really about the games, the competition anymore. And look, I understand, too, that Oregon playing Michigan in October is fun. And I understand that if Washington plays Ohio State in September, that's fun. But I think you're going to lose out on those regional rivalries, right? And we know how great the SEC is and all the great teams there, but the SEC is now at a point where it's well into Texas. It's going to be into Oklahoma. Is it really a regional thing when Florida plays Oklahoma? No, and that's a cool matchup, and I'll watch it. Don't get me wrong. But uh, I think that you know this is a football-driven decision, and I love college football. Like I said, I spent seven years coaching college football. But I think it really doesn't think of all those other sports that now have to travel multiple times across country who don't have, by the way, the amount of revenue and the budgets that football teams have. For a football team to travel across country, yeah, the Florida Gators football team can travel across country and they're fine. But maybe there are some other teams on Florida that the football team's revenue largely pays for, and now maybe they don't have the budget to travel as much, and it messes with their schedule. So I think really there's going to be some fun matchups here, 
But overall, I think this is a bad thing for the future of college athletics. But I think the reality is it is the future of college athletics. So like I said, I've coached college football for seven years. I understand that money is a big part of it. However, I think this realignment shows that they're not really thinking of the non-football athletes. Imagine being a baseball player or a softball player who has to make multiple cross-country trips in a span of two weeks or has to go on the other side of the country and just play five games and be gone from campus for a week. Do you think those kids are really going to be able to focus on their schoolwork? Do you think it's really going to help them towards their degree? And I know what you're going to say. Oh, they're there to be professionals anyway. Well, a lot of college athletes aren't. The vast majority don't turn pro in sports. They turn pro in something else. So to say that, oh, they're there just to be athletes. And the other thing too is NIL money. That's great for football players. It's great for basketball players. Are there other teams that don't get any NIL money or very limited? So it doesn't really help them much at all either. So I think this is just an unfortunate thing for college athletics. And the other thing too is the Pac-12 is a storied conference. If John Wooden was in that conference, think about guys like Reggie Bush who played in that conference. Think about all the other stars throughout over 100 years of history that were part of the Pac-12 playing or coaching all the great moments, those high stakes games at the Rose Bowl. And I know the Rose Bowl will still exist, but I don't know if it's going to feel quite the same. And I don't know if USC is going to feel quite the same if they're in the same conference with Iowa State or, or something like that. So I, I just think it's not a great thing for college sports, especially for the non-football athletes. I think it's really unfair to them. And I think it places a lot of stress on those mid-tier institutions. So, for example, USC – they have a lot of money. They can afford to travel, right? Mess kids' schedules around, move around. But maybe those teams that don't quite have as much money as USC, say in Arizona State or in Arizona. Now, still big programs, still have a lot of money, but they don't have USC money. So maybe it does hurt them. Maybe we see some of these schools, maybe Illinois has to cut a sport because they can't afford to travel to Washington and Oregon for road games. You know, or maybe they have to totally adjust student schedules and mess them all up because they have to travel across the country multiple times in a month. So I think this is something that's money driven. We all know that. But I think it's going to hurt student athletes and students over the long term. And I think that sucks, frankly. And again, college sports is fun enough the way it is. Like, And it's big enough money the way it is. Think about how much money the college football playoff brings in right now. Think about how much money March Madness brings in right now. And that's only going to go up in the current setup. Unfortunately, I think we're just at a point where in college athletics, it's money over everything, including the welfare of the student athletes, the welfare of the coaches, even the welfare of some of the institutions. Because like I said, there's going to be some schools that financially can absorb this without a problem. There's going to be other schools that can't just financially absorb this and are going to have a lot of problems. And then look at teams that get left out here. I mentioned Washington State at the top of the show. They don't have a new conference to go to yet. What if, are they going to be an independent? They went from being in one of the most prestigious conferences in the country to now they're in a four-team conference for next year. They probably are going to be in a different conference. Are they going to be in the Mountain West? Are they going to be totally independent, just playing a schedule of whoever they can get around the country? Like, I think that's a major problem for schools like that. And Washington State's one example, but there's going to be a lot. If you keep doing this realignment, there's going to be a lot. Teams are going to get left out, whether it's 
through smaller conferences on the side or, you know, independent type schedules, we're end up, we're going to probably going to end up seeing three mammoth conferences, the big 10, the big 12, the sec, and I guess maybe a fourth in the ACC. So we'll see four mammoth conferences and then a bunch of either little conferences or independents. And then you kind of think, well, you know, football where this started for money purposes, how are any teams from that going to be able to compete? You think a team from one of those conferences is ever going to able, be able to make a New Year's Six Bowl? I mean, probably not, unless it's somehow written in the rules. But I just don't see how they can do this. And there's already enough frustration about college football bowl games and how the playoff seating works in the selection committee, which, by the way, I think they do a pretty good job overall. But there is frustration there. It's only going to increase when you have to think of, well, what if Washington State goes undefeated in this smaller, not as good conference, and then Texas finishes third or fourth in the SEC, but it's Texas and they're in the SEC? I mean, where do you go there? I mean, do you say, well, it's Texas in the SEC, but then you leave out an undefeated team in a smaller conference who may be a great team, but maybe we don't know. And now the onus is going to be on those teams to try to schedule some of the bigger conference teams and some of the bigger conference teams might not want it because they're going to be in a gauntlet of a conference. So I just think this decision, again, it's not going to affect viewership. Everyone's going to watch. It's going to make a ton of money. I just think it's a bad thing for the student athletes. I think it's a bad thing for the coaches. And I think for several universities, this is going to be a bad thing. I just think it's a the entire flow of conference realignment. And this PAC 12 thing is just the latest example. It goes back years this entire flow of conference massive realignment, I think is a bad thing. And frankly, I wish there was some sort of regionality rule where, you know, out of conference, you can play whoever you want, bowl games, playoffs, you can play whoever, but in your conference schedule, AKA during most of the school year in the fall semester and in other sports, other semesters, you only could play teams within a certain distance of you. And I think, and you can still have great rivalries and great matchups, which there were for a century in college sports. So Again, a frustrating decision in my perspective as a former college football coach. I just think it's a it's a mistake for the athletes and for the coaches. And of course, the problem with college athletics, the people that are thought of last often are the athletes. Money comes first, then institutions, fans, coaches, the athletes always get thought of last. That's why it took so long to even get NIL. So that's it for that segment. Stick with us here on Coach Time. I'll be right back after the break some other thoughts. Welcome back into coach time. I want to get to this article on ESPN, which I found really interesting today. It was written by Seth Walder and it's NFL preseason trade matches, which teams could make a deal. And essentially it's hypothetical trades for training camp and into this season. Now that he feels would benefit both teams. And the first one really jumped out on me, the Buccaneers trading for QB Trey Lance from the San Francisco 49ers. And remember, the 49ers gave up a lot to get Trey Lance and he showed some flashes in training camp and in limited games that maybe he could be good, but he's been hurt. And then Brock Purdy took them to the NFC championship game last year. He got hurt in that game. I think if he didn't get hurt, they might've won that game. Let's not forget that was a seven, seven game in the second quarter and the 49ers had no quarterback. Lance is only 23 years old. He has a ton of talent. I just think that, at this point, it's like Brock Purdy's the guy. And unless something happens to Purdy, now you have this really valuable asset in Trey Lance, who's just a backup. Now, 
I think the 49ers, in, in Walder's article, they could get a second-round pick and a third-round pick. I think if you can recoup that for a guy that might not play for you, it might be worth it. I would still hold on to Lance at least for another week or two to make sure Purdy is healthy. But then from a Bucks perspective, look, Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask have been battling for that starting spot. I think Baker Mayfield, look, he had a great season in 2018. He's had a couple moments in his career. But I think at this point, he seems to be a journeyman guy. And Kyle Trask is very unproven, as is Trey Lance, in fairness. So if I'm the Bucs, if I don't love either of those guys in the quarterback competition, I do. This is Trey Lance went third overall in the NFL draft a couple of years ago for a reason. The talent is there. So if I'm the Bucs, I'd be willing to pull the trigger on a second and third round pick because the Bucs, look, they're going to be okay this year, but they're not going to be a Super Bowl contender. If you bring in a guy like Trey Lance, and he is the guy, let's say he's a franchise-level quarterback, all of a sudden that totally accelerates your post-Tom Brady building, and you could be one of the great teams by next year and the year after as long as Trey Lance stay healthy. So I found that one really interesting. The other one is the Baltimore Ravens receiving Chase Young from the Washington Commanders. I think that is an interesting deal in that the Ravens, to me, they're the second-best team in their division but they're probably the fourth best team in the AFC. It's just Cincinnati's so good in front of them. You know, when I think of the five best teams in the AFC, I think of Kansas City, Cincinnati, Buffalo right now, the Jets, and the Ravens. Like, they're a top five team to me. It's just they're second in their division because they play with Cincinnati. So if you add Chase Young to that already, that would be a massive defensive line for the Baltimore Ravens. And the thing, Washington raised my eyebrows when they didn't pick up Chase Young's fifth-year option. And look, their defensive line, they have Jonathan Allen, they have Darren Payne, they have Montez Sweat. It's a loaded defensive line. But Chase Young, I mean, look, this guy is top three pick in the draft, elite-level talent. I was surprised they didn't want to pick up that fifth-year option. I think it's unlikely they sign him to a long-term deal. So any team that needs a pass rusher, I would look at Chase Young, and I think Baltimore would be an awesome fit as far as bringing in a guy like Chase Young. They just gave that big deal to Lamar Jackson. They drafted Zay Flowers. They have a good offense, I think, and they have a new offensive coordinator in Todd Monken. I, I think they are going to be a really good offense. I think they already have the pieces to be a good defense. You add Chase Young, though, I think they're a great defense. And again, they're already one of the better teams in the AFC. Third one that he had was the Jets, and I found this really interesting, trading for Mike Evans from the Bucks. Mike Evans is a guy whose name has been thrown around in trade rumors for a while now. I think that would be an awesome fit. Because think about the Jets. I know they brought in Aaron Rodgers, and they have Brees Hall coming back from injury. They have Garrett Wilson, you know, the best rookie wide receiver last year. But their depth at receiver is a little concerning to me because Alan Lazard is good. But I don't think he's the guy that he was a few years ago. And I think overall, that they're just missing a piece, it feels like, in that receiver room. And then you bring in a guy like Mike Evans, 77 catches, 1,100 yards, six touchdowns last year. This is a guy that you put him with Garrett Wilson. All of a sudden, even the great defenses the Jets are going to face, they have a lot of trouble defending that offense because you have a really good quarterback, a really good running back, and then two great receivers with a good offensive line to go along with the top five defense in the NFL on the other side of the ball, that's all of a sudden a Jets team. Like if they brought in Mike Evans, I'd probably pick them to win the AFC East. I'm already secretly kind of leaning that way, to be honest. But 
I would pick them to win the AFC East if they brought in Mike Evans. So love that trade from Seth Walder. I think that's probably my favorite of the group is Mike Evans getting traded to the Jets. So those are a few hypotheticals that I think would be really interesting. I think Mike Evans to the Jets would really elevate them, though, more so than even the other two. Well, that's it for coach time. Quick show for me today. I'll be off next week and then back at it to preview the NFL season because believe it or not, folks, we're just about a month away from real NFL football games. That's pretty damn exciting. So until next time, I'm your host, John Lyons. Thank you very much for listening to Coach Time on the Believe Network. Have a great day.